when I was younger, I was like 12 or 13, I was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure. So at that time, that doctor told me that I couldn't have kids. And so, you know, I talked about this in the way of like, at that age, you think that your womanhood is characterized by pregnancy and your body. And that's what we're sold. So at that time, definitely didn't have no body. And now I'm being told that I can't get pregnant. And so I think that took away the blanket that a lot of women feel like we're able to stay under of feeling like, oh, I'm a woman because I have a body and because I can get pregnant. And I had to find out what womanhood really meant to me. And so I spent a lot of my teen years reading and crying and healing and going on a journey of unlearning what is taught to us as young women in society. Welcome to the Dr. Daph Show. Today, I have a very beautiful special guest with me, Tati Coakley. Tati Coakley is a YouTube content creator with a catalog of videos giving advice on dating, friendship, self-confidence, self-love, and she helps women to understand their interactions with men and cultivate love for their own lives. She's super honest, transparent, relatable, and such a light on YouTube. Welcome, Tati. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. That was quite the intro. <laughs> it's the truth. Thank you. It's the truth. Thank You're you. such a light. I really enjoy your content, and I just love the transparency in everything that you share. And I know so many people appreciate you coming and sharing the things that you've been through to help guide them through their 20-somethings. Thanks. I <laughs> needed it. I was thinking like when I was starting my channel and everything, I wanted to be the big sister that I didn't have. So I think it's nice now because a lot of my audience is a lot of young women, 20-somethings, trying to figure it out. And I've been there. I'm still there. So I think it's nice for me to be able to speak from a place from experience, but also let them grow up with me, if that makes sense. And I can tell they're doing that. Well, you do have a lot of wisdom that you share. How did you gain this wisdom and knowledge that you share on your channel. Crazy enough, I just recently told this story like on my platforms, but um, when I was younger, I was like 12 or 13, I was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure. So at that time, that doctor told me that I couldn't have kids. And so, you know, I talked about this in the way of like, at that age, you think that your womanhood is characterized by pregnancy and your body, and that's what we're sold. So at that time, definitely didn't have no body. And now I'm being told that I can't get pregnant. And so I think that took away the blanket that a lot of women feel like we're able to stay under of feeling like, oh, I'm a woman because I have a body and because I can get pregnant. And I had to find out what womanhood really meant to me. And so I spent a lot of my teen years reading and crying and healing and going on a journey of unlearning what is taught to us as young women in society. And then 10 years later, I went and got a second opinion. And that doctor was like, oh no, your first doctor was wrong. And so that once again, like pulled the rug out from under me. And so I think I learned a lot of the things that I've learned because I haven't been able to just coast as a woman. Uh, I've had to figure out how to survive as a woman and what that definition truly is to me. So I think that's probably where a lot of that came from. Wow. That is so deep. Yeah. So you were told that you weren't able to have children. So you had to figure out, okay, then am I even a woman? How right. am I going to embrace my womanhood without this huge piece that society says makes you a woman? And then you found out that you actually can have children. But at that point, 
you'd already gone through this process. So it was really like God using this to create a stronger version of yourself in a way. Yeah, no, for years, I was so bitter about it and I was so upset and I was jealous of other women. And I felt like, especially with something like fertility, because you can't see that at the naked eye, right? There could have been a lot of girls around me dealing with, you know, the same diagnosis and I wouldn't know that. So Mm -hmm. I felt so alone. It's only me. I'm so much less than everyone else. And it was making me such a bitter, insecure person. And then as time went on, I, you know, got the second diagnosis and I was yelling and crying at God, like, why? This is such a cruel joke. You know, this spent, it, it, it took so many years away from me of joy of innocence. I felt like I was 13 going on 30. And then I prayed and I feel like I truly healed and realized that it didn't happen to me. It happened for me because that pause really forced me to dig into myself, dig into what femininity is what is womanhood what are all the things that you know society says that we are or what we should be and I think it 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 made me such a stronger woman such a better woman such uh I feel much more confident in who I am outside of external validation now and I think that that's something that I try to teach and instill in my audience because it's not common you know a lot of women are walking around feeling very insecure and I feel like that's where society wants us to be you know mm-hmm. it's more more pliable that way so that's true trying to take the veil off you know of misogyny in today's society but yeah I, I definitely think god put me on a pause uh for a purpose he definitely did and you're fulfilling that so what is your idea now of femininity i think femininity is whatever you make it so i think the cool thing about women is that we are not a monolith So I think, you know, some women might express their femininity in the way of even how you're dressed right now, right? Maybe like a flowy dress or like the makeup or, you know, feeling dainty as a woman, feeling, you know, just just floating. You know what I mean? Just coasting as we can, you know? <laughs> right. Just living and existing in our beauty and in different ways like that. Or someone can feel feminine in the way that they are nurturing, right? So that's a lot of the ways that I feel feminine. I'm a super nurturing person. I'm super empathetic. I'm compassionate. And I think those are super feminine traits. I think the masculinity comes in with the aggression and, you know, the defensiveness, the protection, the guardedness. And I think the beauty in femininity is not having to do that and still being strong. I Mm -hmm. think I've seen something that you talked about with femininity and weakness and how it's not a weakness. Yes. And I totally agree. And I think for me, that's how I express my femininity, but other women can express it in whatever way that they so choose. And I don't think we should all be forced into a box because, I know what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And it's not one thing. Femininity isn't just, you know, getting your nails done. Femininity isn't being nurturing. It's all of those things. It's whatever, which one you want. It's whichever one that you feel like you embody the most. I think you should. And I don't think you have to pick one. No, you're right. And I think that's why so many women feel inauthentic in their femininity because they feel like they have to be this one way. They have to dress like a super girly or they have to get their nails done. And I definitely think that women should put love into themselves in all ways. Right. But there's not a certain box you have to be in. And when you do that, I feel that that's when you start feeling inauthentic to who you really are. And then you can't keep it up. And you're constantly comparing or like becoming jealous of other people who you think are doing it more naturally. And those inner traits are way more important than how you dress. (laughs) That's truly what it means to be feminine, what you you said. I think a lot of times we get so focused on how we appear that we end up losing 
what femininity to me really is, I think it is the softness and just existing. Mm -hmm. And I think when we skip that, we're missing the present, we're missing the now, we're missing that part of femininity. We're planning for the future. We're planning ahead. That's really more masculine, you know, traits where it's so much living in the future, guardedness, trying to protect all of those things. No, we have to let all of that go. And I think if more women focused on their inner traits, it would actually end up just exuding on the outside rather than having to put so much effort into it i think femininity is effortless but you are so wise no you are so wise i love what you just said right now about just existing yeah that is truly the cornerstone of femininity it's like you're not necessarily having to do you are just being and if people would just exist in their lives they would be much more fulfilled yes you know and not feeling like they have to do anything Speaking on it too, you know what you're talking about. Yes. So speaking of which, you know, being in relationships at a point in time where you were feeling like you weren't what you felt was like whole as a woman, how did that affect your dating relationships? Because you spend a lot of time creating content on dating. Yeah. It's really, really good content. It's very helpful. But when you were dating, did you start to ever feel like any resentment towards men or any like maybe not feeling like enough because a man may want this from you or did you even feel like you were giving away your body more easily knowing that you couldn't get pregnant anyway right and so you could be a little bit more promiscuous and just kind of like conquer men in a way yeah so I went through I think because this happened to be so young it was right at that stage where like sexuality starts coming up and you know people start losing their virginities and having that conversation and so I actually was terrified, you know, to do that because I felt like, I don't know, I felt like something was wrong with me. Something was wrong with my body. I felt really insecure. So I was more so the other end of the sexuality where I was like hyposexual in a way where I really didn't want to do that. And then as time went on, I think I just always had this little glimmer in the back of my head, like, but what if, like, you know, what if God plays another cool sick joke on you and It happens. You know what I mean? And so I think I was so, so I wasn't just existing, you know. And so I robbed myself of, you know, feeling strong in my sexuality, feeling strong in who I was. Uh, So I definitely was on the other end, but I definitely did experience the not feeling enough. You know, I definitely feel like I chose people because of that void Mm -hmm. you know I was looking for that void to be filled I was picking men that made me feel like enough I wanted to be picked by the guy that wanted every girl you know what I mean because I wanted to be the one that he chose like I wanted to be enough I wanted to feel like I had something over everyone else because this guy can have any guy he wants in the world but he chose me and that made me feel good in that time even though he wasn't ish you know but it made me feel good and I think I overlooked a lot of red flags because instead of focusing on someone who you know made me feel enough because of who I was I was looking for men that really didn't feel enough themselves and so we're looking for that in me and I think I gave a lot of my love away, a lot of my femininity away, a lot of my nurturing away to people who did not deserve it because it made me feel good just to have somebody. And I overlooked everything that they were or everything that they weren't because they're just a body in a place for me. You know what I mean? And I really was against like, you know, like different people and different things. I wanted one person that was mine because I think when the diagnosis came, I felt like, 
I was never going to keep a man. A man would never stay with me because what am I, what's going to happen if I can't have his kids? You know, I'm not going to have that fairy tale ending. Mm-hmm. So I was constantly searching for that. So I was in a super long-term relationship that I knew I shouldn't have been in, you know, but I held on because I'm like, see, look, this is my fairy tale, oh. you know, and I was holding on to that. And when it ended, I got over it relatively quickly. And people in my life were like, girl, you was with this man for how long? And it was just like, because it wasn't that I was in love with a person. It was more so I was in love with what a person was doing for me, what void that person was filling for me. Mm -hmm. And I did that and I did that and I did that until I was able to put that label on it and realize like, hold on, hold on. You're not really experiencing love for what it is. You're cheapening yourself. You're robbing yourself of what you can actually have. And so Yeah, I definitely went through that period of not feeling enough and choosing men that probably didn't feel enough themselves. It's amazing that you were able to realize that those men had that issue because sometimes that is difficult to see when you're just looking at the glitz and like, this really attractive, popular guy wants me Mm -hmm. and, you know, I have him. It's hard to see that brokenness until you spend enough time with them and you start realizing those traits are there. Did you know that one out of eight couples have trouble conceiving? Studies show that 87% of women would alter their life plan if they found out that they had fewer eggs than average for their age. I want to grow my family and it's important for me to know what my body is doing so I can plan and prepare. Modern fertility is so helpful by reviewing your hormones for fertility. They send over a kit for you to test at home and you send it back and they give you the results in less than six business days. Proactive fertility hormone tests often aren't covered by insurance and can cost upwards of $600. That's three times more than the cost of a modern fertility test. Fertility declines as you get older, but everyone's body and rate of decline is different, but don't let that worry you. One of the hormones they test for is AMH, which can tell you if you have more or fewer eggs than the average person for your age. It's just good to know. If you're thinking of freezing your eggs, you'll learn if a doctor might expect to retrieve more or fewer eggs than average. Once you take the test, you will have access to a dashboard that gives you insight on your personal results, and you can also speak to people who can help you to understand your results. You will also receive insight into your thyroid health, which can impact everything from your skin to your energy levels to your fertility. So give Modern Fertility a try. Get $30 off of your hormone test now using the link below. Thank you so much, Modern Fertility, for sponsoring today's show. Now you talked about red flags in dating. Yeah. What are some red flags that you think are necessary for women to just keep their eye out for when they're dating? Yeah, I think number one, any man that tries to make you feel small so that he can feel big is a dub. I think a lot of men feel, you know, bigger when women feel smaller about themselves because they feel like they have someone they can control. They feel like someone needs them. I think a lot of men, because of what society puts on them, they need to feel needed. And so that's why there's all this discourse about, oh, women are too independent now and women are, why? Because now they don't feel needed. But they are needed, you know, for different things. And I think it's it's the search for, for needing to be needed that is a red flag for me because they will always shrink you so that they can feel big in whatever way it is. In, you know, microaggressions and telling you, oh, what you have on is too this. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you're, you talk too much or you, you know, you're too needy. You're too this. You're too that. 
Men like that are a red flag because they'll never allow you to exist. They'll never allow you to excel because they feel like somehow that dampens their success or who they are. So that would be a number one red flag for me, um, I think. So you're talking about being controlling, it almost sounds like. Yeah, I yeah. think... A lot of men are slickly controlling, right? Okay. Like, so they're not—they're not, they're not going to tell you you can't go out, you can't do this. Some men will, but some men are a little bit slicker. They're not going to tell you you can't do things, but they'll make you feel bad about the things that you're doing. And so, in a way, you are controlling because you know that that woman is going to do whatever to please you. And so, if something seems displeasing, she's not going to do it. And so, I think you have to look out for men that belittle you or shrink you in any way because that is their way of controlling you so mm -hmm. that they can feel big and powerful. Right. Because you definitely do want to allow him to feel needed, but it's almost like you need to, number one, look out for what you said. And then also maybe choose men who enjoy doing the things that you actually do feel like you need. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. So it, it, it meshes, it, it flows. Yeah. I think that's an issue a lot of women make too. I think even in like love languages, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's this narrative that like the right person is just going to know how to love you and da, da 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 I never went for that. I don't think that that's true. I think that's a toxic mindset. I think the right person will learn how to love you, right? And will enjoy learning how to love you. And so I think with love languages, I think when women understand that what their love language is, they're able to assert it and their partner can either match it or go. I think you have to know when it's just not going to work. So maybe one person, your love language is physical touch and another person's is acts of service and they hate physical touch for whatever it is. You have to know that that's what you need for your cup to be filled and you have to go find the person that can fill it. I think women, like we, we, we try to pick one like, okay, well, maybe I should just appreciate all these acts of service. No, you want your physical touch, so go get it. You right. know, that's just it's understanding our needs and asserting it and knowing that we deserve it. I think that sacrifice mindset for women is just, we just can't get rid of it. It's, it's, it's awful. And knowing that they're not going to just randomly change because I think a lot of yes. times people are waiting it out and thinking oh maybe after we're together for a year maybe once we're engaged or once we're married but that's not the case it will never change and right. unless number one they're willing and able to do it or you know it just comes more naturally to them so right. you're right are there any other red flags that are super important <laughs> um I mean we have like our obvious ones like I feel like guys that you know immediately are jumping to Sexual things, right? I think that's a red flag mm -hmm. because that gives me like a conquer mindset in men that we see often where it's not that they're interested in you and they, you know, want to value you or whatever. They want to conquer you because you are something on their list. You're a challenge to them and conquering you would make them feel bigger. And so once again, that's their way of making you feel small because they don't look at sex as a mutual exchange they're looking at it as i win like you lose you you gave it up to me i still hit though like that narrative right. right and so i think men that are constantly talking about your outer appearance constantly talking about sexual things or oh if you say you get in the shower oh why why i'm not in there with you or you know what i mean the it's the micro they're trying to see how much they can get away with yes and so that's a no-no uh we don't do anything that's like overly sexual for that reason and I just think men in general that you can tell when a man is insecure. And I think... How can you tell? Because not everyone can tell. Right. I think personally men that are... 
I think they just are overcompensators, right? So the men that need to fill their voids in whatever they possibly can. So that could be being the loudest in the room all mm-hmm. the time. That mm-hmm. can be being the one with all the girls with him every time he steps out. That can be the one with all the bottles, the biggest section in the club, the biggest are typically the men that feel the smallest on the inside because they need to do the biggest on the outside so you can't see it, right? Or men that are aggressive in their tone to women, I think is another flag of like, okay, you're clearly insecure because you're choosing. It's like the big guy picking on the little guy, like, you know, to bully Mm -hmm. on. So it's like, okay, well, I can pick on this woman because she's probably, you know, wanting my love or, you know, she's not a man. Would you talk to a man the way that you talk to women? Men like that, I think are very 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 insecure on the inside because they pick and choose wisely and they are constantly overcompensating for the things that they feel voided of on the inside so i think you just gotta watch how a man moves you gotta watch you know you gotta watch what he does and why i think is your biggest way you know so once a woman kind of figures out that she's met a man that she likes what do you think are some common mistakes that women make in the dating talking phase I think doing what I've done in my life. I think a lot of women make the mistake of wanting it to work so bad that we overlook reasons why it's not going to work. Okay. And so, you know, I've done that in my own life where you just want the fairy tale and you don't care who's Prince Charming, right? You just need it to be filled. So I think a lot of times in the talking and the dating stages, women are just trying to make it work so bad, trying to be appealing to this man, trying to find something to talk about, find the connection and force it instead of seeing if it actually falls together. So I think the mistake is in rushing. The mistake is in trying to fill the fairy tale without vetting your Prince Charming. I think even I saw this conversation recently on Twitter where people were talking about women rushing to have children, you know, when you get to that certain age and your biological clock is ticking. But are we vetting the father, you know, because it, it, you want it so bad, but you you may be manifesting a worse situation for yourself for the next 18 plus years, you know? And so... I think we have to vet our partners better. And I think we 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 cover our eyes to all the red flags that they show us in those talking stages. And we don't want to hear it. We don't want to see it. We don't ask friends' opinions because we don't want to hear that they don't like them. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to do a better job at looking at who we are looking at as partners because we have to wor- see if they're worthy of us. I think we want to be worthy so bad that we miss the fact that a lot of these men are not worthy of us or our time or our love or any of it. And so I think we have to do a better job at knowing that we are enough and finding the man that is enough for us. I love that. I've had friends in the past where they've been dating someone that we could clearly see was going to be a problem eventually. Right. And I remember... You know, because when I have a friend who I love and I see something like this, I'm so passionate sometimes about telling them something I see that it can sometimes come off a little bit jarring. Like they're like, okay, like I don't I don't see this and I don't appreciate you saying these things. Right. So I remember backing off and apologizing. And then, you know, maybe two years down the road, this person did something that was just devastating to her, mm. which I already saw coming. Of course. And when it happened to her, I reminded her and she's like, I never saw that. I didn't see it. And it's like, you didn't want to see exactly. it. It was very obvious, but you were so consumed by this person. And you need to be able to listen to people who love you, who are not competing with you, who don't want your man, right. who are just trying right. to help you, right? And um, 
I think if they vetted them properly, they wouldn't come across these issues. So what What are some ways that you think you can vet a man in dating? Mm, I think you need to come up with a list. You need to decide what is your absolute yeses and your absolute noes. I think women don't have a, a good grip on that when we go into things because we're we're so sacrificial that we're willing to kind of shift some of those things. No, that's where we end up feeling miserable down the line. A lot of women are unfulfilled later in life because we didn't make that list and make sure that it made sense. So I think we have to make this the the list of, okay, let's decide what we want from a man and what we don't want from a man. What do you need? What do you need? Ask yourself what you need and be honest with yourself. Do you need someone who can provide you words of affirmation? Do you need someone who is highly communicative, highly sensitive. Do you need that or do you want that? You have to make that decision. And I think we can decide, I might need these things, okay, as a human and as a woman and as a partner, I need someone who can communicate with me, who won't abandon me because it's too triggering and who is highly aware of themselves, their self-aware and their emotions and others, right? But I don't need someone who's six foot. I don't need someone who makes X, Y, and Z. I don't need someone who looks like this, but I do need these things in order for me to feel seen and heard in my relationship. And then when you go on dates with this person, if they're ghosting you, if they're not texting back, giving you no answer, oh, sorry, X, Y, and Z, whatever, if they're not communicating with you properly about, you know, when they do need time away, if they're not aware of themselves and how they speak to you and how they communicate their emotions, and if they're not aware of yours when they've upset you, if they're not compassionate towards that, that's easy to see on the first couple dates. It's it's, it's evident. They're mm-hmm. going to show you that. If they've upset you and you express that and they're like, oh, you tripping. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Clearly, this is not a highly sensitive person and that's on your list of needs. He's out. You have to be able to say no. I think women are so afraid that this man that just came is going to be the last one. And if I don't keep him, I'm not going to have a husband. No. This one, if it's not this one, it's going to be the next one, and then the next one, and the next one. But a lot of women, and what you said is true, yeah. but a lot of women don't know what they need, especially if they haven't mm. had very much dating experience. Yeah. They may be on a date and this person's not asking them about themselves, and they may not even realize they haven't been asked because they think that, you know, I'd rather him talk anyway. I don't really want right. to talk. I'm kind of shy. Mm-hmm. Or they're just so used to not experiencing love even for themselves that they don't even know what it would look like right so for people who have never had any dating experience how do you think they can figure out what they need or do you think they just have to go through the dating experiences and just figure it out from there i think you can figure it out on your own I think honestly, I think obviously going through dating experiences is definitely helpful because I think it brings up a lot of that trauma. Even the relationship that I'm in now is the healthiest I've ever had. And because of that, it brings up so much of my trauma and it forces me to deal with it. So I think, you know, relationships can bring a lot of that trauma up or you can dig it up yourself. So when I was going through what I've gone through in my life and I thought I couldn't have children and things, I had to dig a lot of that up on my own. And so asking yourself, You know, even if you don't have any dating history, what do I want in a partner when it does come? When I do start going on dates, what do I want? You can ask. You can ask yourself. If you close your eyes and you envision what your fairy tale life would be, what does it look like? Then the important step to do after that, though, is the why. I'm such a why person, but 
why. So maybe, oh, I want my my partner to just come give me affection every single day. And if he doesn't, then that's not a part of my fairy tale. Why though? Did you lack that in childhood? Is there a reason? Does it validate you to get affection from a man? Why? And I think asking yourself those why questions will let you know what you need and what you want. Because mm-hmm. sometimes what we want, it's not what we need. And not to be judgmental of yourself or allow other people to judge you in your whys. Because, yes. sure, maybe you didn't get enough affection. But someone might say, you don't need that. Exactly. You know, or that's not important, but it's important to you. And right. even if it's something that may seem superficial, if that's what you really want and need, that's what you want and need. And don't be ashamed of that. Embrace it. Because there's someone out there who wants to do that for you, even if... In society's terms, it could seem like it's superficial. Like, let's say, yeah, you want someone to kiss you five times a day or you want someone who has a lot of money. A lot of people think that they can't want that, right? Right. Because it's superficial. But there are men out there who that is their leading. Like, that's what they want to do. That's what they want to give. That's their way of expressing their love. And they want a woman who can appreciate that, right? And so you'll find someone who fits whatever it is that you need, regardless of what it is. I think it's so important to know that because although you can ask yourself those why questions and it could be like, okay, you know what this is from childhood, either you can make the decision of like, this is something that I can work through and that I think that I I really don't need. I think it's actually better for me to work through it or because of what I've gone through, I do need that. And that's okay. I think that self-advocacy and women knowing that it's okay to say, I want this and I need this and I deserve this and it exists. In your opinion, do you think that it's okay for women to shoot their shot? Or is that something you would advise women not to do? And shooting your shot means if you see a man that you're interested in, that you go out of your way to approach them, whether it's actually walking up to them and asking for their number or sending a DM or just finding a way to get that man. So... For this, <laughs> I definitely kind of have different opinions on it depending on the situation and also depending on the type of woman that you are. Because again, we're not a monolith. So it really depends on what type of man you want in your life and what the way that you need to be loved. And so if you are the type of woman who really values the traditional like feminine and masculinity and you want your man to you know lead, let him lead. So if if you see he has every opportunity to shoot his shot with you and he isn't and you know you want to be led, it's a dub. He's not the one because he's not leading. He's already showing you he's not a leader. And so you won't feel fulfilled in that relationship if you enjoy being led. Now, if you're on the other side of the spectrum where you're not really into norms or you don't really care for the femininity versus masculinity. You kind of appreciate the blend of the two and you think, you know what? I can tell he wants to say something or maybe he doesn't see me. Let me give him a nudge so he feels comfortable to do so. Mm -hmm. Do it. it. It depends on what you need out of your partner and what you need out of your man. Now, what I will say is I don't enjoy women playing cat to a mouse. So I don't enjoy women chasing and chasing and chasing a man and and trying to 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 grab him because that reminds me of feeling like you have to prove your worth to this man right showing him look at me look at me look at me i'm enough i'm enough i'm enough you're chasing him to see that the right man is going to see that and so i don't want women to get into the cat aspect of it but i also don't want to discourage women let's say the man's on the other side of the room you're not even his, in his scope in his view it's okay to go be in his view, you know, and see what he does. Now, if you go in that view and he's not doing nothing and you know you want to be led, we have to choose another man. If you want a leader, let him lead. 
Yeah, that's so true. And it's like there are feminine ways, like you said, of getting that man's attention. Yeah. And maybe he didn't see you or maybe a conversation. You can still strike up a conversation with someone. doesn't mean you have to literally be silent and just hope that he finds you attractive. Some men are attracted or stimulated by intelligence or by a little bit of wit or humor. And so they may have to speak to you. They may not be so attracted to you to walk up to you. But if you ask them a question or what are you drinking or something that might encourage them to speak to you. So it is okay. It is okay if you see something and, you know, you're interested in it. There's nothing wrong with that, really. It's just more about after the fact, if you're noticing that they're not doing any any chasing whatsoever, then it's a pretty clear sign that they're not interested or they're not available. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. Don't be fooled by these men that have wives and girlfriends right. at home. And that's why they don't <laughs> want to be, you know, the initiator. But a lot of men, it's not the case, but maybe, you know, they are stimulated, like you said, by something else other than just your outer looks. And that might be a good thing. That is know? a good thing. And maybe, you know, I don't want women either to be so into their femininity and what they think femininity is that, they're silent, right? That they feel like they can't speak because that starts going the opposite way for me. That that gets misogynistic for me where if women want something, they can't go for it. If women want to have a conversation with a man, they can't because he should and we should just sit there and look pretty. If you want to have a conversation with that man, go have a conversation with that man. But make sure we don't cat the man the whole time. Let him reciprocate. But yeah, I also don't want women to get so much into these gender norms that they just shrink themselves before they even a man can even try to shrink them you know let's shrink themselves, <laughs> they shrink themselves. Mm-hmm. well and sometimes some women are are just genuinely confused so they'll say that they want a man to chase them but they'll be chasing 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 mm-hmm. and then get upset with a man and then tell the man you know i don't chase men if you want me you need to take me out and it's like you're saying you don't chase men but you're chasing him. Right. And it's like do you even know what that looks like to chase a man mm-hmm. so in your opinion if a woman is dealing with a man, let's say she goes on a couple days with him and then all of a sudden he just stops responding, stops speaking to her. He just totally ghosts her. Mm-hmm. What do you think a woman should do if she's ghosted? Move on. Like, I think that I think it's a perspective thing. I think a lot of women, when they're ghosted or abandoned, I think get triggered. It's the abandonment issues coming up, right? So it's like, how can I fix this void really quick? Let me chase him. Because if I get him back, then see, I am enough. He still wants me, right? So we 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 fixate when they ghost us instead of realizing, okay, it's not about me not being enough. Maybe he feels like he's not enough for me. And so he had to remove himself. Maybe he's triggered. Maybe he isn't enough for me. And he knows that. And so that's why he's doing that. Clearly he isn't if he cannot communicate with you, right? So I think the perspective is okay, this man isn't enough for me or feels like he isn't enough for me. And that's enough for me to be happy that he removed himself because he did the work for me. You know, I don't want a man that isn't communicative. I don't want a man that is shaky in how he feels about himself, that he would make a decision like that or project that onto me. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a perspective change when women are ghosted and being like, okay, great. Not this one, the next one. If he's removing himself, he knows he couldn't handle me. Great. Who can you know, it's the perspective <laughs> shift of not, it's not that I'm not enough. He isn't. Great. Thank you. Because I thought you were, you know? Right. Exactly. That's huge. I know when I was a lot younger, I didn't really understand dating and relationships. I didn't have anyone to teach me any of this stuff. And mm-hmm. for me, it was all trial and error. And yeah. I was at a point in my life where I was pretty successful for my age. I looked a certain way. I also am a pretty friendly person and yeah. just kind of like 
a genuinely happy person. And I would date these men that I felt were, they were like their personalities were great and everything, but they didn't have some of the other things I look for in a man because those men were a little bit too intimidating to me. And I felt like I wasn't enough for them. So I was dating men that were way below me Mm -hmm. and they were always shocked that I was interested in them. Like they could not even relax in those dating relationships because they were thinking like, why is this girl with me, with me, Mm -hmm. you know? And they were so insecure and I'm like, it's okay, you know, (laughs) but it wasn't okay. It wasn't okay. And I was frustrated and they were uncomfortable. Right. So I needed to, to feel like I was, Enough for the kind of person I genuinely really wanted. And deserve. And deserve. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's raising your standards because you know that you deserve them and that you meet them. You deserve what you give to a partner. And I think women don't feel that way. I think we feel like, well, we're supposed to do it because we're the woman. And the man is just supposed to exist and bring the bread home. I don't agree. I feel like the man is supposed to also be nurturing, also be empathetic in his way, in his masculine way, right? And we can do it in our feminine way or we can blend the two. I have my masculine moments in my relationship and I don't dislike them. Sometimes I do want to live in my masculine energy. Sometimes I do want to be aggressive. Sometimes I do want to take charge. And I think that's okay as well. I think women need to know we don't have to stay in one box. We don't have to lower our standards so that we can feel better. We should find the man that makes us feel best because our standards are so high. And that's like, it's like a myth, I think, to women. Like, oh, no No man is going to love the fact that my standards are so high, but they will. They will. And it's all about the way that you express them. I know with my husband, like I definitely, at the time when I met him, I had a certain way of behaving, which was definitely more masculine. Um, I do think some of those things made him attracted to me because he was like, it didn't match my looks and the way he expected me to be. And he was just like, this woman is a lot. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely something that attracted him. I think if I was just so... Docile, and I—I don't think he would have been attracted to me, right? But I did need to learn how to manage that and yes. not to overstep and not to disrespect him. Yes. And certain things that I thought was the way to behave, I needed to unlearn all the things that TV was telling me and rap music was telling me, mm-hmm. and figure out how men really operate, what they need, and how to be a a nice, good person without yes. you know overdoing it. Yeah. So I think a lot of women incorporate a lot of those like masculine traits from ego so i think when our ego is bruised it's funny because ego is always discussed with men mm-hmm. and i will say that that's <laughs> definitely their plight but i think it's ours too you know i think when our ego is bruised we step into that masculine energy a lot more and then it becomes a war here and i think love is egoless i think it's selfless i think it's truly just existing as we talked about and i think the more women let that go, I think we'll be able to just exist and we'll be able to blend the traits where we need them to be necessary and where we can just exist without feeling forced to do anything. Like, you know, I think yeah. we can exist, we can speak, we can assert ourselves and that doesn't have to be like scary. I think, you know, the right man will know how to lead you in that and to support you in that. We just have to know it exists so we can go get it. It does exist. It does. It does definitely exist. So you mentioned that you're in a relationship with Mm -hmm. someone and I've seen your pictures on Instagram. You seem like you really do mesh together. Like you guys seem like you get you get each other. Yeah. Would you say that you're friends with him? The crazy thing is we were friends for years before we started dating. Like this I think that's why we work so well now. Um 
we met in college, like way, way back when I was like 18. And we met, and you know, he was in a relationship at the time, I was in a relationship at the time, so we were just friends. And then I transferred colleges, so we lost contact for years, like four years. And I had moved to LA, and his best friend at the time, who also went to the college that we went to, was like, do I see you in LA? And I was like, yeah, are, are you out here? And he's like, yeah, I'm here with Tiz. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Because <laughs> I'm single now, that's great. So we had linked up, and you know, he had freshly got out his relationship and so did I and so we kind of rekindled our friendship and as time went on you know he just courted me like and it changed the whole nature of our relationship and I think although we're in a relationship now we are friends first before anything and that's why the relationship thrives I'm glad you see it (laughs) I definitely see it wow so if someone wasn't friends before like how you were how would you say that two people can genuinely be friends with their partners in their relationship I think taking out the level of sexuality and everything. I think everything doesn't have to be a sexual romantic experience. I think you can have intimacy without that. So I think, you know, you can go on dates that don't have to do with the dark dim light and the candles, <laughs> right? And lead to something after. I think you can go on a day date and you could go do pottery together. That's such an intimacy form, but it's not sexual, right? It's not, you know, overtly romantic. I think doing activities with your partner that are not sex-based or are not, you know, attraction-based. I think you have to build that. You have to play games with your partner. You have to bring out the inner child in your partner. Me and my partner now, we'll sit there and, and do little play fights and we'll 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 do little little things that little me wanted to do. And so I think ask yourself, what did you like to do as a child? Do it with your partner. What did they like to do as a child? do it with your partner. You want to feel like children together. You want to laugh from your belly with your partner. You know, you want to do things and get to know your partner on a level that doesn't benefit you. I think a lot of people want to get to know their partner for their benefit, right? How we're talking about, you know, making sure that your partner can meet your needs, but also get to know your partner in a way that the information is not benefiting you or the relationship, really. You're just getting to know them. What did you like to do as a kid? That doesn't, you know, change the nature of your relationship or really benefit you anyway, but You understand your partner more. And Mm -hmm. I think it's about letting that go and learning what your partner likes to do, surprising them with, you know, fun little things like that, bringing out the inner child in your your partner so that your partner can bring out the inner child in you. I think sometimes that women feel like if they show that side of them, their partner isn't going to like them anymore Mm -hmm. because it does take some vulnerability to just let go in that way. Yeah. Do you think that that's the case? Have you ever seen yourself show a certain side of you and the person wasn't feeling it. Yeah. And that's how I knew this wasn't the person for me, you know, but I think that's a level of privilege that I have because although I went through what I went through, I think it gives me privilege in the way that I am a little bit sterner in my womanhood and sterner in my needs and my, you know, desires. And so I have a little bit of privilege in being like, and yeah, I just let him go because, you know, that's hard. That's hard to do. And so I think, I have gone through that, but the what allowed me to leave situations like that was knowing the right person for me is going to love me in all my forms, at my best, at my worst, at my silliest, at my most childish. They're going to love me in all my forms and because I have the capability of doing that. I think women have to know that the love that you want exists because it exists in you. If you can love somebody that way, somebody can love you that way. And so... 
you have to be vulnerable because you can't keep the facade up forever. At one point, you're gonna have to let the facade down, girl. Like at one point, you're gonna be in your bonnet and you're gonna be eating your food in the bed and you're gonna be yourself. And you know, what's the point of prolonging that? Because I'd rather know that this person is not for me in the beginning than waste my time. And eventually he see me at my worst 10 years from now and he leave me. Right. Why? Let me show you early <laughs> and see how you feel, you know? Well, Tazi, you are so beautiful. You're so glamorous and gorgeous inside and out. But someone being as physically attractive as you are, another person listening might think, well, of course she thinks that she can just get someone else. I mean, she looks so gorgeous. Who wouldn't want to date her? Yeah. If a person feels like they're not beautiful or they're not able to get dates very easily, I think it might be difficult to feel like they can just leave because they may think, well, it's going to take another five years to get another date. It is. You know, it definitely is. And I know that, again, I have privilege in that way because Mm -hmm. it's like, well, you know, I fit a lot of the beauty standards. And so I do have that crutch, you know, and I think that's that's something that I think women need to address because I think on Instagram and, you know, society today, it's like, oh, just leave him and get another one. Just leave him and get another one. You know what I mean? And it'd be all these like IG models and stuff saying that. And it's like, well, look at your privilege, though. You know, mm-hmm. you have all these men lusting after you all the time. Of course, you're going to say something like that. And so I look at my privilege in that way as well. But I think there was a time when I didn't fit that standard, you know. And so when I was younger, I like, you know, we had switched schools and I was in an all white school and I did not fit that beauty standard. It was the blonde hair. It was the blue eyes, you know, and it was like me and maybe five other people of color in that whole school. And so, you know, we were bullied for that. You know, we were put down for that and whatever. And so I did feel that way in that time. And I was like, oh, my gosh, let me just grab a man and hold on to him because I don't know when the next one is going to come. girl. (laughs) And I think as I grew out of that, I realized, like, I'd rather be alone than, you know, be with someone who isn't worthy of my time. And so even if you think another man isn't going to come, know that you don't need him. I think it's letting go of the necessity for a man and letting go for the necessity of a partner you are your best partner. And I say that now. I am still my best partner. My boyfriend is his best partner. You know what I'm saying? I just can try to be as close to that as possible. But I know what I need the best. I know what love I need. I can love myself better than anybody else. And if that man isn't at least getting close, Mm -hmm. you need to give it to yourself. You need to just love on yourself. It's that fear of being alone that I think holds a lot of women because society makes us feel like if we're alone, we're less than. If you don't have a man, you're less than. Even on like housewives and stuff like that, it'll be mm-hmm. like, oh, but where's your ring though? You know what I mean? And it's like, if you don't have a ring, you're less than a woman. If you don't have a child, you're less than. If you don't have a family, and you're not. So if, if you look at the studies, like if we want to bring psychology into this, studies show that single women are the happiest at the at their end of life, right? Mm-hmm. And that married women are not. <laughs> it's just true. It's true. Now, I still want to get married. You know what I mean? And we're blessed to have... <laughs> men that make us fit a different statistic right but right typically that's not the statistic you know we're anomalies in that way and it's because we're so pressed to have a man and we're so pressed to settle and it's like girl be alone that's and that's the the truth will come along and we have Mm -hmm. to believe in that i think it's a lack of belief it's a lack of belief that there's someone out there like you but again if you can love somebody like that someone can love you like that and it's better to be alone until Mm -hmm. they come along than to give your love away because you're taking it away from yourself 
Right. So in your relationship, how is it that you're able to be in your relationship, but also keep yourself separate? Mm -hmm. That's something I've had to learn. And honestly, I would say I had to learn that within this one, because when we first started dating, I was so happy that I finally found my person, right? That I just lost myself in it. I was just up under him all day, every day, whatever you want to do, let's do it. This, this, and that. Like I was just, we were like this. And although we're still always together now, we find a way to be independent. And so I think I might, you know, if I wake up an hour earlier than him, I'm not going to sit in the bed on TikTok until he wakes up. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go on a walk by myself. Maybe I'm going to go on my balcony. I'm going to read a book that I like that maybe he doesn't. I'm going to watch a show that he doesn't like. I'm going to find the time to do things for myself or I'm going to find classes. Like, for example, my partner, he boxes, right? So he goes to the boxing gym three times a week. That's his time mm-hmm. to do that for himself. While he's doing something for himself, I'm going to do something for myself. I might go take a pole class. I might go to a yoga class. It's about learning that just because you have a partner, you don't always have to move as a unit. You can still represent your partner separately. I always represent, I'm I'm representing my partner right now, you know, but he's not with me and that's okay. He doesn't always have to be on my hip (laughs) in order for me to represent him. And I think it's also about making sure you find a partner that allows you to express yourself within the relationship. I think even when we are together, I'm able to do things that I like to do. I'm able to talk how I want to talk and he's able to support it and let me exist. And I think people feel like they have to choose one or another. And honestly, you don't want to be with a partner that makes you choose their life or yours. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, I do know what you mean. That's actually really important what you just said. Even the ability to express yourself because some men... If they didn't have the same background as you or, you know, just the way you may speak might just be a little more loose or there's some slang that you use or you just have different thoughts or opinions. As soon as you express yourself, they're like, I can't believe you think that. And they cannot let it go. Like they have to Mm -hmm. force you to change your opinion into theirs. Yes. And you're meshing into them. Yes. And it's it's crazy because this is where like the agree to disagree thing comes in because I think there's a way to do that. I Mm -hmm. think... A lot of times the agree to disagree thing can be dismissive. It's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you think like that. It's very dismissive. Or it can be, you know, manipulative. Like, no, you have to think how I think. I think you can understand people's differences. I literally just had this conversation with my partner where it's like, I might need something and something may be really rational to me. And it could be so irrational to you. That's okay, though. I just expect you as a partner to say, although I can't rationalize that for myself, I understand that it's rational for you. So how can I support you in that? You know what I mean? We don't always have to understand each other. Some things that he thinks is rational, I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't have to get it. You know, I just have to support you through that and find a way to understand you so that you're still seen, heard, and valid even when I may not get it. I don't have to get it. I just have to support it. That takes maturity. Yeah. Especially to have a man do that. That's, Ooh, yeah. And yeah. that's why, you know, it's, although I can say this is the healthiest relationship that I, I've ever experienced because I do have that. I do have someone who, you know, when I might be tweaking out, I might be on my like, I don't care. I'm on my whatever, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to rationalize something. He's going to let me experience that and express that and, and say, you're experiencing something right now and you're valid to experience that and you're valid to express. What do you need from me? right now. I'm hearing that you're feeling X, Y, and Z. So what can I do to make you feel A, B, and C? 
that's a partner. That's, you know, a partner. that's a partner. And I think women feel like they can't do that because when they express themselves a lot of time, men will be like, girl, you bugging, girl, you tripping. I'm not dealing with this. We don't deserve to be dismissed. You deserve mm-hmm. to be heard. You deserve to be heard. You deserve to be validated and you deserve to be supported and uplifted in your partner. And if you don't have that, he's not a partner. He's a leech to me. And when you split up eventually, you won't know who you are as a person. You'll be lost and trying to figure out, who am I? What do I actually like? What do I want to do? You won't know because you've turned in to him, whatever he modeled you and molded you to become. And that's not, that's not okay. Speak on it. I had a friend like this (laughs) and she had left the relationship and I was asking her like, so what do you want to do now? Like now you're single. Like, what do you want to do? You're free. I'm so here to support you, you know? (laughs) And she was like, I don't even know. Like, and I was like, girl, who, like, who are you without him? What's your favorite color? What music do you like to listen to? Is it his favorite color? Is it his genre of music? And it was. And we cried together for that. Like, you don't even know who you are anymore. And so it's so important for women to find out what they like and stand in that. Stand firm in what you like. Stand firm in who you are and find the right partner that supports that. If my partner were to, like, screamo and I don't like that, I don't like it. But that's great for you. And let me understand why you like it. What does it do for you? Let me try it out for you. But... I still like what I like. And that's okay. I think you can find a way to support your partner without losing support of yourself. In one of your videos, I saw that you talked about your struggle with anxiety Mm -hmm. and how the past trauma that you've experienced. Sometimes, you know, some anxiety comes up or you may even have a panic attack, right? Yeah. First of all, did you ever go to therapy to address the traumas that you've experienced? I'm in therapy right now. Every Thursday at 12 o'clock, I am in therapy. I definitely, especially after the second diagnosis, I had to go to therapy. Like, it was like, hold on, girl. Like, I don't even, at that point, I didn't know who I was anymore because I think I had built an identity for myself around not being able to have kids that when it came back, I'm like, who am I now? You know, I was, I had built this identity of this strong, independent woman that didn't need kids, didn't need a husband and all this stuff. And now I'm like, well, now who am I? You know, I keep building my identity around things that clearly can be taken away or changed. Mm -hmm. And so definitely went to therapy, definitely cried that out. Definitely am still healing. It's still understanding that I need support along the way that is not biased from my boyfriend or my parents or my friends or myself is an objective voice for me to help me and guide me through this journey. And so, yeah, I definitely went to therapy. I love therapy. I support therapy. Go to therapy. (laughs) I love therapy, especially for our community. Uh, It's critical. And I know mental health is definitely um, not talked about, not celebrated, not supported a lot in the community. Um, It definitely wasn't something talked about in my household a lot. Um, And so I think our generation is changing that. And I think that's great. It is great. Therapy for everybody. When a person has social anxiety, for example, or just anxiety that's crippling and they want to date, that can be challenging because it's like when you go on a date, you're on this stage and you feel like you're having to perform for this person Mm -hmm. to choose you for the role, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips for women who struggle with anxiety, dealing with the dating world, all that comes with it? So I definitely struggled with that for a long time. Um, The anxiety of, am I enough? Am I being too overbearing? Am I not being exciting enough? Do I look good enough? Do I not? All these thoughts in my head that uh, almost ended up getting in my own way because I'm not just existing as we're talking about. So I think for women that are struggling with anxiety and knowing that you are enough going into your dates, not overthinking the dates, 
is understanding the value of just existing, of understanding that the more you overthink it, the less you're in the moment. And honestly, the more you're going to miss in the partner. We're so worried about being chosen for the role. Is he worthy of the role? You're missing that. You're not just existing and looking at what red flags you might be missing in this person, what green flags you could be missing in this person. A lot of women after the date couldn't even tell you nothing about this man. Mm. They were so focused on everything that they looked like and said and did. You don't even know who's sitting in front of you. And so I think that ends up translating into relationships that you have this relationship anxiety where you're so focused on being the perfect girlfriend the whole time. We don't know if he's the perfect boyfriend right in front of you. And so if anything, honestly, especially because anxiety is fear-based and fear of the future, Mm -hmm. For women that are dealing with anxiety, it should be less so of the fear of not being enough and more so of the fear of choosing the wrong person. And I think that is super, it resonates with people who have anxiety because you're still fearful of something, but at least we're shifting it to something else. At least we're shifting the blame off of ourselves because that fear is, is often misplaced and it gets in the way of everything. And if at least we can shift it to let me not be with the wrong person. Eventually, we can learn to exist and learn that the right person is just going to fall in our lap and we can eliminate the fear in total. But we got to move it first yeah, in order to, to move because it's, it's crippling when it's on yourself, you know? You're right. You do have to move it. And one way that you can also move it is by doing things that release those fears, like journaling and yes. praying and not putting all of it on you, you know, asking God to help you to see things that you may miss and to give you a feeling that you need if something is wrong or off. Um, And sometimes too, like if you're too afraid that this may be the wrong person, maybe you got out of an abusive relationship and you're just so afraid that you're going to meet someone else because you're still not sure how you got into one in the first place, right? You may be so afraid and you're not even allowing someone in, right? right? And so you, you have to shift the fear, but the fear does need to get removed as Mm -hmm. soon as possible and you can do that through prayer and and faith that you you are being looked after and that you will be able to to figure it out because it won't feel right to you i love that i think i've done that myself you know in life where it's like oh my god is this wrong person this wrong person wrong person because i was able to shift it right i was able to get it from okay you know what I am enough. What if they're not? And I was so focused on that that I ended up missing out on a lot of good times. You know what I mean? I, I ended up missing out on even in my own relationship when we first started dating. I still had that fear, you know? And so it was like, I missed a lot of moments. I missed being present in the love that I was being given because mm-hmm. I was stuck on that one now. And so eventually I had to remove that. But I think, you know, I first had to know that I was good enough. Then I had to know that the person in front of me may or may not be good enough, but it's not my job to dissect it and figure it out. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's my job to exist. It's their job to exist. And if we coexist beautifully, great. If not, it'll fall apart on its own. <laughs> and the next person will, you know, come in and that's fine. I think I have a lot of relationship anxiety about like trying to make it work. You know, <laughs> I deal with that. And it's like, girl, just let it go. If it's going to work, it's going to work. If it's not, it's not. And that's life. And eventually it will. Yeah. Eventually it will. Now, when you've been in a relationship for a while and you feel like you've met this person and you're in love and everything is just smooth sailing, and then he breaks up with you, how do you think women should go about dealing with rejection? Mm -hmm. And how can they get over an ex? How can you really get over someone who you deeply felt like this was your person or you already saw the wedding and the children and mm-hmm. you were done. Like you felt like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with dating. This is my guy. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden he breaks up with you. Mm-hmm. What do you think women can do? Because 
there are a lot of mental health issues that actually come out of rejection or painful breakups or someone cheating on you or leaving you for someone else. Next yeah. thing you know, you're on social media and you see them with this new woman and you're like, what? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's I've tough. experienced it in all realms with seeing someone with someone else, with the breakup, with this, with that. And I've had, I feel like the same feeling each time where it brings up that feeling of abandonment. It mm-hmm. feels that feeling of abandonment plus rejection because if you're abandoning me you're rejecting me I wasn't enough right and so I think it's again shifting that perspective and understanding that if someone left they may have had to leave for themselves and that's okay I think that's where you know we're talking about your autonomy within a relationship you have to respect other people's autonomy as well you know if I've left situations because I needed time for myself I wasn't ready I needed to fix my mental health I needed to heal traumas in my life it had nothing to do with you know the person involved and so I think we have to respect others autonomy and understand that maybe they need time on their own and that doesn't mean you're not good enough we have to stop attaching our worth to people's actions and to people's uh, stagnation. I think it's like as long as they're here, mm-hmm. I'm enough. But people settle too, honestly. So you don't know if that person's settling by staying with you and you're settling by staying with them. And so the the best understanding is that I am a person on my own. They are a person on their own and we are existing together. We are experiencing each other. And if at any point this person needs to experience life on their own, I respect that and I support that and I will continue to experience life on my own and exist. It's like the it's the forcing expectations and forcing that happy ending when that might be the happy ending. You two separating might be your happy ending. It might be what was best for the both of you so that something better can fall into place. And I think you don't see that until afterwards. I've done that in my own life where I thought the breakup or stop dating this guy was like devastating. I'm like, oh my God, you were going to be my husband. You were going to, but they weren't. And it's, you wanted it to be that, but that's not what you needed. And now looking back on it, I'm so grateful that things fell apart that they did so that better things could have fallen into place. Oh, absolutely. I've never had a situation where I've left a relationship and didn't fall into a better one. Yes. A much better one than I could have ever, ever even imagined. I really couldn't have even imagined it. Literally. Yeah. Literally. I think all the love that I thought I was getting in prior relationships and things like that, I'm getting now. And I would have never, ever pictured this type of fairy tale for myself. I think it's about knowing that your fairy tale can change. It can improve. It will improve time and time and time again. And so if one fairy tale book ends, you open your next one. And that's okay. And sometimes you realize that was not a fairy tale. It was a nightmare. It was a whole nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of women in their 20-somethings, they have never been on a date. They have never even been approached by a man. Yeah. Ever. And they think that they're not attractive enough to be approached. And they do need help to get a man's attention. It's something that they do desire. It's not like they don't want the attention. They actually do want to be approached by a man. What are some tips that you can give ladies who are wanting to date, but men are not noticing them at all, to maybe get a man's attention in a way that's still authentic Mm -hmm. and comfortable for them? I think it's about finding what you think your superpower is, right? So I think a lot of times, especially in today's world, it's like, 
the superpower seems to be a certain aesthetic, right? So it's like, oh, the body is the superpower, the face is the superpower, the hair, the nails, or whatever is a superpower. But that's not where it stops. You know, that might be somebody's, that might be what she feels is her superpower, but what is yours? You know, I think that the traits that you have inside of you, those are your biggest superpowers because that's where most of us differ, right? So a lot of us look the damn same, but the way that you love is so specific. The way that you nurture is so specific. The person that you are is one of one. And so I think women have to do deep diving into themselves and figure out what is your superpower and how can I exhibit that on a daily basis? How can I show confidence in that superpower? I think a lot of women aren't getting approached because they don't know what their superpower is and they feel less than other women. So they have their shoulders down. They feel, they play the back role. They they they, be, they put themselves in the back. They they don't stand and command that room. They don't command the room because they don't need to be confident about a specific body part, a specific aesthetic. They're confident because they're them and that's enough. You know, they're confident because they are so intelligent. They are so compassionate. They are so inquisitive. They're so curious. They're so adventurous. It could be so many different things that should give them the power to put your shoulders back and to command that room and to keep your head up and your chin up. And I think women have to do a better job at letting go of what society taught us, that there's only one thing that we should be proud of, that it's our bodies and you know what we can offer a man. What do we offer the world? What do we offer our friends? What do we offer ourselves? Mm-hmm. And I think if we value that more, we can stand in that and we can walk in rooms that way. And I think it'll be more commanding for other men. Oh, girl, I love that. I, I really love that. And when you said superpower, it made me think of like a superhero. Yeah. And I've been hearing this term floating around about living in your villain era. Mm-hmm. And it's like the idea of being authentic to yourself and doing what comes naturally to you and not a villain like, you know, you're going the opposite direction, but you're actually doing what you want to do versus what society says that you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And when you said that, it reminded me of just being authentic to who I was at a certain point in time when I was trying to fit the mold of what society says. So something about me is that I'm naturally a very giving person. I just enjoy giving genuinely, genuinely. It's not something I do for anyone to say thank you. Right. So let's just say like if I saw a man and I wanted a date and I had some big bread at work or something that I baked, I would give it to him and just say like, here's some bread. Maybe that's what was necessary for him to notice me. And someone might say, well, you should never give to a man. As a feminine woman, you never give to a man. So even if internally they love to give, they won't do it because it's not what they're supposed to do. But that's not being authentic to you. Like, I love to give. I've baked some bread for everyone in the office and I'm going to give it to him, even though he's a man that I like. And I would rather him make the first move, but it's okay. You know, and that's being authentic. And that man might think, wow, she's such a giving person. How sweet of her to think of me. Let me go talk to her. Let me ask her out on a date. You know, and that's, that's truly a great way, like you mentioned, of be noticed. Yes. Be noticed. That's what we were talking about earlier. We're like, some men might need the nudge. And that's okay. You know, unless you feel like as a woman, you don't want to nudge. And you are in your power to say that, you know. But if you do, 
do it. I nudged. I, I nudge my boyfriend all the time. You know what I mean? I don't think it's that serious. But I also, that reminds me of the like cooking and cleaning topic. And I've talked about this before where people are like, you know, should women be cooking and cleaning for their men? And if not, da da da. And now that we're in this villain era, you know, discussion, people are like, well, you shouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's fair to the women that want to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, what about the women that really enjoy cooking, really enjoy cleaning their home, really enjoy giving their love in that way? Mm-hmm. Why is that wrong? You know, I think it's right. about assessing why we're doing something. Now, if you're cooking and cleaning because you feel like you have to to keep your man, we could talk about it. But if you're cooking and cleaning because you enjoy to, that's how you like to give love, that's how you like to love yourself. Do it. If you want to bake your bread, do it. You know, like, it's okay. It's okay to do what you like to do as long as you assess why you're doing it. And you are also able to recognize when you're being taken advantage of. Yes. Because if you love cooking and cleaning and you clean his apartment every weekend just because you enjoy cleaning, it's fun for you. But then you realize he's calling you to come clean and he's not Uh taking you out to dinner or he's not thanking you or appreciating it. Yes. And becoming a point of where he's using you, at least just... Just recognizing when things are becoming a problem, I think, is just wise. Yeah, boundaries. Boundaries. I think yeah. you have you can have so much love to give. You can love to love in the way that you do, but you have to also know that the person that you're giving it to is deserving, right? We're not just going to be pouring our love away because that's how we end up pouring out of our cup completely mm-hmm. into a strainer because <laughs> it's never going to fill that person's cup and yours is going to be empty. And so, yeah, it's just boundaries, assessing how much love you're giving, why you're giving it, who you're giving it to, and if it's being reciprocated. If your cup's not getting filled back by this person, why are you doing it? You mm-hmm. know, it, you can be, it could be fun to do, but give it to someone else who might like to do something fun for you too. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, an exchange and you can feel filled and poor and filled and poor instead of just pouring. And that's why a lot of women end up feeling drained and miserable and used and are looking around like, why though? I love to cook and clean. I love <laughs> to bake my bread because no one's baking the bread for you. That's right. And that's important. It's important. And you don't always have to give everything to the person that you're dating. You can spread that out a little bit and yes. maybe do it for a family member or someone that you're not thinking about because sometimes in a certain point in our lives, we're so tunnel focused on the person we're dating. We forget that there are other people in our lives, our yes. friends and other people who care about us until that relationship falls apart and you're looking around and no one's there. Mm-hmm. So it, it's important to also just spread some of that. And people will then pour back into you and say, Tati, you're so giving or you're so loving or you're yes. so great at this. And that'll also help build up your confidence yeah. in the things that you're strong in. Your partner shouldn't be the only one that, you know, can say these things about you, right? So if in my life, a lot of people will be like, oh, Tati's like so empathetic and she's like, you know, whatever. But people in my life say that because my empathy doesn't stop at my partner, you know, because my partner is not my identity. And I think that's a lot of issue for women as well. Mm It's feeling like, my boyfriend, my husband is who I am. The fact that I'm a wife, the fact that I'm a girlfriend is everything to me. And that is my identity. And it's like, but it's not though. It's a part of who you are. You're also a friend. You're a daughter. You're a sister. You know, you're so many other things. And I think when we don't water them, they die. And then we just have this one flower instead of having a garden of beautiful flowers, you know? I love that. So, Tati, I have something for you. I own a fragrance line. Ooh. Yes. Do you like fragrance? Yes. Oh, I love fragrance. (laughs) And it's called Fine Forever. And I brought some for you today to just smell and see what you think of them. Okay. Ooh, the packaging. (laughs) 
Can the camera see? <laughs> Can I see it? Sure. This is our first fragrance. Yeah. Look at the packaging. Ooh. Yeah. This is gorgeous. Look how beautiful the packaging is for every divine woman who wants to be fine forever. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So what is this one called? This one is called 2911. Okay. This is our debut. This is like our signature debut fragrance. Okay. Oh, this is beautiful. I don't know what I was expecting, <laughs> but I wasn't expecting this. Oh, it's like clean and fresh, a little, little floral. Yes. Do you know like the, what the notes? Yes. Yes. So there's amber, there's pink pepper, there's oud, which is very like deep and sensual. There's peach. So you're getting like fruity, you're getting some like vanilla, but you're also getting like deep sensual wood. This is it. This is it. Because the crazy thing is, like, for me and my fragrances, I can never choose. I'm either on, like, my vanilla amber vibe uh-huh. or I'm on my peachy vibe. <laughs> and so to put them together, oh, I'm so happy you got that something. you like it. This actually really does go with your, like, the way that you present. Because you're kind of, like, sophisticated, sexy, sultry, sensual. Thank all you. the S's. Thank you. <laughs> this Another one option. is called Silent Storm Blue Box options a little asmr for you guys <laughs> so you know fine forever is a oh you and these designs <laughs> let me show the the audience i feel like vanna white <laughs> look at the look at the design look at the gold Ooh, this is this is can you help me i don't want to yes i will help you okay so, so what are the so notes? this one is definitely more fresh Okay. Um, it's more of like a think of like a seaside kind of vibe. It has sea salt. It has yeah. a little bit of ylang-ylang. So there's a little bit of fruit in there. Ooh. So this one's like a fresh scent, you would say. I would say it's fresh, but it definitely is a little bit sweet. Ooh. A little musk in there. Okay, let me see. Ooh. Ooh. Now I can't decide. <laughs> this I smell the like sea mm-hmm. vibe in mm-hmm. this one. I do think this is a fresh, sweet smell. Oh, wait. Okay, let me see the other one. Hold on. Oh. They're completely different. They're all completely different. They're so different. I don't even... Mm. This one is fresh. This one is like a starcher day, like fresh, clean linen vibe. Like, oh, I don't even... mm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm so happy you like fragrance. Oh, I love fragrance. I have a whole fragrance like cabinet in my house. It's just really? I can never decide like what I want to do. I'm always layering because I can't decide. <laughs> you have to wear them all. Yeah. These <laughs> actually probably would layer nice. This is called mustard seed, and this is a really like bright fragrance. Mm. So I don't think you could wear this and not be happy. It just makes you feel and smell really happy. <laughs> I so like this description. Mustard seed. And the scripture is about having faith, having the faith of a mustard seed. Love it. So all your fragrances are scripture. Yes. All, they're all scripture based. I love that. How did you like find your, you know, faith and your like religion and just your spirituality? You know what? I was at a point in my life where I did not like the person that I was. I felt like I was always trying to be a certain kind of person, but yet it never seemed to manifest. Like I could never really stop doing what I felt like I shouldn't be doing. Mm. And I had a situation where I did something that was super 
terrible and I got caught. Mm. And at that point, I was like, I need help. Yeah. I need help. Like, this is not who I, I didn't feel like this is a person God wanted me to be. Like, when right. he was creating me, I felt like he created a certain kind of person, but I wasn't living up to that that, that person. And that's when I asked, I sincerely, in my, in my spirit, in my heart, asked for the Lord to come into my life and help me. And at that point, that was the first time I actually genuinely wanted God. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, I go to church. Oh, yeah, I yeah. do these things. Like, I literally did whatever I wanted in my life. And I was I was kind of a bad girl. But mm-hmm. because I was so smart and, like, so nice, it kind of all massed together. And people didn't really see that, like, super, like, devious side, side of, of me. You. Yeah. And so I knew what I was, though. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's how I, that's how I, like, ran into Jesus and... My life completely changed. Like once I genuinely from my soul asked for that, he helped me and I I literally changed my entire life. And now I finally feel like this is who I, like this is the person you created and it's not hard anymore. Like I still have to do work, but I feel like I have a spiritual help that pushes me through. And now I feel like I'm really living the purpose that I was meant to live because I didn't know who I was. And I really don't feel like you ever really can know who you are until Jesus is in your life, really. So mm. it, it changed everything. And that's why with this brand, it's called Fine Forever. For one, being like fine. And they're also fine fragrances. But also to let you know that as long as you have God in your life, you will be fine forever. Like oh. no matter what you're going through, you will be fine forever mm. as long as you have God. That was deep. Yay. I live for that. That was, <laughs> that was not the explanation I was, I was going to get. You just keep surprising me. So this is mustard Ooh, seed. This is this one is the most different, I yes. would say, than the other two. This one is the most unique. And I like that it's called mustard seed because okay. I feel like it fits its uniqueness. You know what I mean? Yes. I don't know which one I like the best. <laughs> You're giving me options. Well, I'm happy you like them. Thank you so much, Tati, for being on the show today and sharing all the wisdom Thank that you, you have. I am so inspired by you. You are so young. <laughs> And if I had the wisdom that you have at your age, I just feel like my life would be different. But it's okay. It's okay. It went the way it was supposed to. It went the way it was supposed to. And I am inspired by you as well. Everything that you've created for yourself, your mindset, your journey. Like you just you just kickstarted some thoughts in me. So thank you so much for having me. It's been such a beautiful conversation. You're so welcome. And thank you all so much for watching the show. Hopefully we'll have Tati back one day. Yes. Bye-bye.